Hey, what's up, y'all? So basically, uh, this is the episode where I talk about why I think it's wrong for me to date cis women. Uh, first off, I want to say, welcome back to Pancurious George. Um, also, thank you to my friend Tristan for the quote. Uh, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing wrong. Because if you um, grew up like Tristan or I did, uh, there was a chance that you were in competitive environments um, that taught you that you have to do things right. If you're not first, you're last. Uh, if it's worth doing, it's probably hard. The harder it is, the more worth doing it is, and the more valuable you are, etc., etc. All of this conditioning that's, uh, that basically makes you um, really vulnerable to being conditioned to being useful for other people in society, but not necessarily good to yourself or successful at being a healthy, happy human being. So, fuck out of here with that bullshit. Um, the next thing I want to say is that I think that, um, the original concept of this podcast was super cool. Um, but until I build the following where it really even matters that I have a, um, a platform or something like that, that idea does not really make too much sense. I really came up with the idea as a result of wanting to, um, create something that I thought was important in the world, which was a space for people to share their lived experience and their insights and their uh, research without having to argue their position because it threatened somebody else's understanding of the status quo, understanding of themselves. A lot of people who are privileged to live within the experience of the social constructs norm will uh, feel threatened when their understanding of self and of other is is uh is challenged in terms of like how good it is or why it is the way that it is or whether it needs to be that way at all so cricket um thank you for chatting with me about the original idea so many times i'm sorry we never actually recorded that jeremy uh, stephanie daniel thank you for having conversations with me it was really wonderful to talk to you guys about that um nico thank you so much for offering to help me build this podcast into something else at some point when i feel stronger about my ability to create regular content and to regularly show up for it i will totally be down for that unless um you know circumstances change uh it it doesn't really make sense for me to put that kind of energy into this so i'm going to follow that impulse that i originally got that caused me to start this podcast in the first place which was yo when i feel like somebody needs to hear this thing that i'm thinking about or talking about I'm going to share 20 minutes worth of that conversation with them. Um, and it has been unfortunate, but basically I've been putting off making these because I've been trying to like find the correct people to have the correct chat every now and then instead of letting it organically happen when I'm having these deep chats. So uh, it's not fair to other people to be the reason uh, secretly uh, that, that I'm not doing this. I think that's like us bad karma of me to inadvertently allow them to be the reason I'm not getting shit done. So, without further ado, uh, hey guys, I don't think that I should be dating cis-het women anymore. Um, and let me tell you why. I love people. I love all the people. The people are fantastic. But uh, cis-het women, y'all have some very specific ways of experiencing yourselves. Uh, it's called being cisgendered and heterosexual that are just fundamentally incompatible with my existence um, if you do not recognize that my existence exists. Now, if you are a cishet woman because you have tried to be not a cishet woman and you're like, nah, I'm a cishet woman, that's dope. But if you're a cishet woman and you've never considered what it is to be anything other than a cishet woman um, living in 
counterpoint to a cishet male and potentially, you know, just ignoring or avoiding all queer uh, sexuality experiences or gender experiences, then you literally just, you don't have space for me in your existence. Um, what ends up happening most of the time is that I, as an individual, get crammed into whatever boxes they believe that male people, black people, um, fit into. And that's, that's all that matters. If they would date a black man, they think that they can and should date me. And I think the best way to explain this, like, because I was talking to some people once I said this, I posted, I made, a, I made an Instagram post about this kind of as a joke. Um, and several people responded and it was all women. None of the dudes responded to this. They were like, <laughs> no more competition from your ass. Fuck fine ass motherfucker. Get your ass out of here. Um, no, but there were, there were some ladies who responded and they were like, oh, well, why wouldn't you? Why shouldn't you? Why, why? There's nothing wrong with you. And I was like, that's not the issue. Um, and then I had another friend who is bisexual who was like, why wouldn't you? And I was like, well, why should I? Like, if I were a lesbian, would you expect me to give a straight man the time of day because he's a man and he wants it? And she was like, whoa. And it was like almost in that moment, she, it, my, it was the, my friend was Esmeralda. Uh, in, in that moment, she was like, yo, I would love to do this episode with you, but it, it hadn't, it hasn't worked out that we could do this one. So I'm just making this right now. Um, I still love you as, but basically she, she really like, I think that that unlocked something for her in that moment because you, you understand that a lesbian does not want a man as a partner. Uh, they, they fundamentally find the man to be an incompatible partner, no matter how sexy the man finds the lesbian to be. So it's like, oh, I get that. But when you get into a more like nebulous, fluid space where you're like gender fluid and people are like, well, you could date female people um, and you could date, you know, heterosexual people because like, it's like, yeah, I mean, theoretically I could, but like if my gender identity if, is queer and you're straight, then you don't believe you're a queer person. If you don't believe you're a queer person, then you don't really have space for me. Right, because you're trying to fit me into a cishet identity um, that like fulfills the role that your cishet identity wants to date. Uh, whatever you think men are, that's what you're trying to date. You're not trying to date what's actually showing up as me. Um, you, you, you're likely to take my uh, emotionality and my empathy as like great qualities of a man, but really those are just good qualities in a human. Like, just because somebody is empathetic, like that, honestly, when a person is empathetic, you really need to slow your roll and check yourself and make sure that you're a giver, not just a taker. Because if you think that it, you deserve uh, something, like if, for example, as a woman, you feel that you are owed something from men, uh, then there's a good chance that you're going to come to me, a non-binary individual who doesn't feel like anybody thinks that they owe me anything uh, and you're going to feel entitled to whatever it is you feel entitled to from a man. Um, whatever, you know, emotional support that he's supposed to give you, whatever validation he's supposed to give you, whatever. And when I say validation and support, sometimes I mean literally just just filling a role and allowing himself to be a punching bag for you um, is sometimes the role that, like, I've seen cis het women expect out of men. They're just like, oh, well, because you're a man, you're like this, and therefore... I'm going to treat you like this. Oh, because you're a man, you're incompetent in these ways, probably. So I'm going to uh, interpret your behavior 
along those lines. Um, I remember this one time I was talking to an ex-girlfriend, because this will this will illustrate what I'm talking about. Uh, I was talking to an ex-girlfriend and her best friend, and they, we were talking about having kids, and I was saying, yo, I don't know, like, it's so stressful to me, the concept of having a daughter, it's easier to me, the concept of having a son. Um, and before I finished my thought, they both jumped down my throat, they were like, you are so sexist, of course you would say that, like, blah, 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 and I was just like, yo, it's, I, you need to, like, give me a second to explain myself, because this is not about what you think it is, I'm not saying that I want my son to have sex, I don't want my daughter to have sex, I'm saying that I understand that I live in a social paradigm in which if my son has sex, people will probably high-five him. Those people are not me. If my daughter has sex, a lot of people will probably look at her and have opinions about what a woman is and isn't supposed to do because she's a woman. Whether or not what, my son will increase in value, theoretically, on a social scale because he's had sex and it might go to his head. My daughter might be emotionally threatened um, by the, her safety emotionally might be threatened by bullying um, you know, from other people, uh, for slut shaming. Uh, if she gets pregnant, the consequences are different for her than if my son gets somebody pregnant. Now, I can go, hey, um, you are going to figure out how to properly participate in the fact that you are part of this, you're partially responsible for this child's life, should she not abort it. Um, my daughter, like, I mean, I don't know, I'm not going to make her get with some guy uh, who got her pregnant. But I am, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to shotgun wedding her. But I recognize that, like, uh, that, like, if I were to say, like, hey, do you know which boy did this? Um, do, do I, what legal things need to happen to this young man, etc.? How do we get a paternity test out of this? Like, for me, it seems there's no way for me to be helping my daughter that doesn't seem like me overstepping and overreaching into her life because of the current status quo. On the other hand, is that like, for my son, me trying to teach this young man to, to be a, a, a person of integrity who takes responsibility for the actions that he takes um, and who doesn't, you know, get into this whole social toxic play of, yeah, I'm a, I'm a winner because I did this, etc. Like instilling values in him that make it so that he doesn't go around making more... Uh, or reinforcing toxic sexuality or toxic sexual principles is like very different for me than it is for, for my daughter. I cannot save my daughter from the depression that might occur as a result of her becoming a pariah if I live in the wrong place and she has sex with the wrong person and she lets the wrong person know and then the wrong, like my town is doing whatever the fuck it's doing. On the other hand, nobody will, almost nobody, as far as I have ever seen in the history of my life will slut shame my son. And I don't want to watch my, I don't want to watch my daughter's heartbreak. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want her to discover that she's living in a world that is that unfair, that will not see her um, in the same way that it would see my son uh, in that situation. And so then they were like, wow, okay. So they felt like I was guilt tripping them and trying to like make them sound like shitty people. And I was like, no, you did that yourself when you decided to yell at me. Because I had a, a vulnerable moment thinking about the potential heartbreak that uh, my child might experience simply because she's a woman and saying, like, it is scary for me to think about that. Um, 
but not giving me the time to express myself and not even wanting to hear me because I'm male. You literally decided that because I'm male, I must have this specific understanding of that situation. Like it was just so frustrating. And it's like the amount of times that my experience has like done that over and over and over again, just like people going, oh, you're male, you see it this way, Um, you don't have any context for X. I was in a conversation with somebody the other day where we were talking about sexual assaults and like uh, hallucinogenics um, and their fear of losing control of their body while they're on a substance. Um, and they were like, yeah, because I, I worry about what would happen to me if I'm not in control of my body. And I was like, no, I understand that. That's, that makes perfect sense. That is totally valid. Um, but like they were giving me this breakdown that had to do with sexual assaults. And I was like, I mean, I'm non-binary and I've been sexually assaulted um, by people that I know. Um, and I've been in coercive situations with people that I know. I've been with women that I've dated who would not take no for an answer. And so it's like, it was interesting because like, she was talking about the hypothetical of like this awful thing that could happen. I was like, I understand that's terrible. Um, and I was like, am I supposed to tell you right now that like I've experienced this thing that you're afraid of? Um, and not while in an altered state, but like I had to navigate this experience while people were like, yeah, but you're a man. So obviously you either wanted it or you're not a man or like they just, they just chalk up this experience to being something. It's very different for a male person to tell somebody that they've been sexually assaulted or harassed, um, or abused than it is for a woman. Um, and it even shows up in legislation. Like in the UK, a man can be sexually assaulted, but he cannot be raped, um, because rape is especially, is a different law and it's specifically about penetration. Um, and this isn't me like, you know, trying to detract from other people's experiences of sexual assault, but it's like, I frequently just sit down and shut up when people are talking about things because their gendered experience, their gendered experience of themselves and of me causes them to perceive or assume a perspective from me that I don't have. Right. And we were talking about that last time, talking about debates, right? When instead of trying to create a shared understanding, you're trying to defend your reality. And I'm tired of that. I am just so tired of that. I am tired of being demisexual and having like the, the moment that I allow a relationship to get sexual, people are like, oh, you're such a sexual person. You're super sexual. You're so whatever. I just, I don't understand like, what do you mean? But you're not super sexual. And I'm like me being, you know, uh, invested in your pleasure and me being happy to experience your pleasure, um, is different than me being super sexual. Uh, maybe you haven't had any partners that think, oh, I really want to make sure that this person is fully satisfied before I worry about myself because my orgasms function slightly different than theirs do. Um, and therefore it would be sort of irresponsible of me to not try to navigate towards their, uh, their satisfaction or their climax before my own. If, uh, if I know that I'm more likely to not be able to continue or the mood will shift or change if I have one versus them having one. Um, but like the, the whole assumption that because like I'm a dude and I'm interested in your pleasure, if we're having a sexual experience, uh, means I'm super sexual and that I'm getting lots of satisfaction and fulfillment out of that interaction is like also super skewed. Like it, it's, it's almost as if a lot of these women were conditioned to believe that because men are supposed to be so sexual and supposed to be so focused on their own pleasure 
that like they don't really have to do anything um, when they're having sex with a person to be a, a good sex partner. They're like unaware that like they have to show up um, and to be invested themselves. And that like matching the other person's energy and being comfortable in their own bodies. Like if your partner is actually interested in you, like your pleasure is important. If your partner is, you know, aware of the fact that you have your own sexual experience and sexual identity and that you have your own like proclivities and whatever, like that's, it's not necessarily about how sexual they are. It's about how they've been taught to be a sexual partner, how they've learned to be a sexual partner. But the idea that because a person is happy to pleasure you, that their main love language is sex and that the relationship is fine because they're participating in that because you're enjoying yourself is super flawed. Like, if you started this conversation on the premise of we have great conversations, if you started this relationship on the, con on the premise of we have great conversations and the conversations disappear and turn into, like, I don't know, marathon sex, and you just assume the relationship is great because the person is male and you're having marathon sex, when in reality that person could actually be having some kind of, like, trauma response to just being a people pleaser and just pleasing you endlessly because they're like, well, as long as I keep you happy, I'm doing a good job. Um... And I don't have to worry about the consequences of your unhappiness or your being displeasured. That is so fucked. Like you're so out of touch with what is actually going on in the other person's head. And you're so incapable of like recognizing that's even a possibility that like you can't even be, you can't even have a conversation about it. This person couldn't even tell you the truth. So if a, if a regular, you know, cis, het, man, straight dude was with you and having the feelings that I have, um, you... You as a, a cishet woman uh, who's having that experience or this hypothetical cishet woman having that experience would be completely out of touch with his, uh, with, his, with his reality. And for me, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with that. I'm done with showing up for and validating uh, different ways in which social constructs uh, are just pushed onto others or just projected onto them. I am tired. I don't want to live as a male in counterpoint to female in terms of the social construct. I want to live as me exploring and embracing the fullness of my identity. I love, you know, like being pampered and going to like the nail salon. I don't want to get my nails colored, no, but I love, I love getting a manicure, right? Um, I don't think about that as an expressly female thing to do. Like, but I do recognize that like, you're probably not going to see a a gang of dudes roll into like the nail salon together. You're probably going to see like a group of a late, a couple lady friends going to get like their nails done together. Um, and often like straight men are not encouraged to like go and engage in hygiene, right? Like that's not a thing. Like a lot of, it's not like often that you see like, uh, in, in your social narrative, the men going to, uh, to a spa day together. Right. Um, and maybe I'm watching the wrong media, right? But if I'm watching blockbuster films, that's not a thing I've seen. Um, I don't often see lots of uh, media that involve women going out together to a sporting event just to, like, you know, have some beers and smash them on their foreheads and whatever the hell it is that men do at sporting events. I don't watch sporting events unless I'm with somebody who really likes sporting events. Um, I would much rather play a sport, and I know that that's typically a masculine thing, but I know lots of girls who are really fucking good sports. Like, one of my friends from college was, like, a, is like trying to be a pro basketball player, and she's way better at basketball. She's also taller than me. Um, I think I might have the advantage when it comes to dunking, though. I do jump higher. 
Yes. So whatever stereotypes. Um, but yeah, it's like, I look at that moment, right? I like stop and I look at that moment and I'm just like, so much of what we gender isn't really about gender at all. It's about gendering roles in society based on how we've come to understand uh, the roles of the sexes. Uh, but if you look at why certain things are certain ways, like there's an anthropological explanation for all kinds of things and not, not any of them can be like set in stone as hard fact, but like for some reason, like for example, when we think about feminine roles, we think about staying close to the village and we think about men as hunters who are going off to go do whatever. Uh, there's a possibility that male testosterone uh, and aggression led to hunting trips because you got to get these males out of the village because there are too many of them and they've got nothing to do. So like maybe going to go kill an animal that they can bring back for people to eat is great. But like a lot of the time, like some of the cultures you discover, they didn't actually bring back that much meat. And when they did bring it back, the parts that they, they brought back parts to like, they ate the best parts for themselves because they killed out in the woods. And they brought back some, some stuff to dry and to preserve for later, to like smoke and whatever. And the women were in the village and it was like, well, why didn't the women go hunting? Well, it wasn't that women were incapable of hunting. If you look at like the musculature of women from like way back when, like Stone Age women could like crush uh, fucking Olympic rowers like super easily apparently with just like the musculature that they had and the like bone density that they had. Like they just were way stronger than us. It was most likely that those women were staying in the village because it would be much harder for... Uh, the young children to survive without their mothers. Because if you literally drink your mom to survive and she dies in a hunting trip, you don't have a mom to drink. Like that is bonding. That is, a, there's a deeper level of bonding on a primal level for a, for a, for a mother and a child uh, because of the symbiotic relationship that they have. The, 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 the psychological, the neurobiological, the neurobiological experience of mothering a child, um, is symbiotic, uh, last I read, right? You don't have that with a father, uh, of a child, not as a primate. That's not a thing that you have. So it's a very different reason. It's not like, oh, well, cause men are stronger, cause men are better. They X. It was, oh, because this concept, this would be the consequence of that loss we X or we Y, whatever it is. I don't know. I, I'm not a mathematician and I'm not a philosopher who's using uh, conditional logic to establish which variables do what in the statement. But basically, a lot of the time we gender things uh, that don't need to be gendered. And the reason that they're gendered is because it's easy to help people figure out what their role is in society and when a person knows what their role is in society, they can often feel like they're being served by society. And when a person is served by society, they're more likely to perpetuate and support society. When a person's not served by society, they're more likely to dissent and try to change society. And for those who are served, it is threatening for those people who are trying to be served by society to change it. Because they don't necessarily know if they will continue to be served in the way that they are being served. And you can see this over and over and over again, like, you know, civil rights, um, like Native Americans, like you just look at, at, at women's rights, uh, slavery, um, good God, just colonization in general. 
anytime somebody's rights shift, like the Hutus and the Tutsis, looking at people's rights shifting always causes distrust. Looking at people's roles shifting, like classism, classism helps people understand their roles in society, how they're served by society, how they're not served by society. And if you condition them early enough, sometimes they won't question or try to fight the system that they're in, right? But when you start getting high ideals, people start wanting to aspire to those ideals because they understand them. They're human ideals. They, we can intuit whether something is right or wrong, whether something feels good or bad to us, right? And so we fight, the, we fight the system that is preventing us from experiencing the fullness of our humanity, especially when we are told that some humans have more rights than others. Some humans are more human than others. Some of us are more equal than others, to quote, uh, I think, 1984 or Animal Farm. I think it's Animal Farm. And yeah, that's just how I feel. Like, sex differences are the, the most... If you're putting... If you're there, I don't, I don't see gender differences much, except for, like, in the construct. And we shift those constructs as we, as we see fit. There are sex differences, really. But most of what we describe as gender differences, like, the bell curves overlap way too much for us to be like, oh, yeah, well, men are this and women are this. A lot of the time... We are experiencing a reality that comes as a result of gendered violence to ourselves, to uh, quote Alok v. Memnon. Um, we are, it's, we're not actually, we're not actually, like when you look at the non-binary, like it's, the non-binary person isn't really the one who needs your help so much. It's you who needs to reevaluate why you've done gendered violence to yourself, why you've removed some of the aspects of yourself that were you, and then you were told they were masculine or they were feminine, and you decided that you had to cut them away from yourself to, to fit in, to function, to be okay, to survive. Because it's that violence that you did to yourself, it's that violence that others do to themselves, that anyone expects a non-binary person to do to themselves. And the fact that the non-binary individual exists, the gender fluid, the gender queer, the gender creative exists, threatens the experience of the gendered individual. And the reason it's threatening is not because they're actually in any danger, but it's because they have been conditioned, we have all been conditioned, to feel safe when we understand where we are, who we are, and what to do as that individual, when we know what role we play. When we don't know what role we play, we're in an uncomfortable space and it's dangerous, right? Not really, but it's mostly, it's, it's dangerous to our, to our psyche. It's scary to be told that the fantasy that you've been wanting since you were a little kid of getting married and having kids and raising those kids and growing old with your partner um, are wrong. But it's not that the fantasy is wrong. It's that if you assume that you should superimpose all of this experience onto the life of another person because that's you bought into the fantasy and you want it and that they don't have a right to experience the fantasies that they grew up with and that they want or the fantasies that they've decided that they want now that they've explored themselves a little deeper or the fantasies that they've decided that they want because they know that there's a possibility beyond what is offered and they want to see it because they only get one life to live. That's dangerous too. That's a form of violence too. And anytime I sacrifice the truth of who I am and what I want and all of the beautiful possibilities that I'm willing to experience with the people who are willing to experience them with me because somebody wants to claim me in some specific way that has specific rules that 
they believe that I have agreed to or should agree to or must agree to as a result of engaging with them in some specific way that wasn't I agree to these rules, that's dangerous. That's a huge fucking problem. And uh, not to make this like my fucking catchphrase, but once again, miss me with that bullshit. Guys, thank you so much. This was a little bit longer than I was expecting it to go. Um, I hope that this helped you understand me a little bit better. I hope this helped you question yourself and understand yourself a little bit better if you had never thought about any of these kinds of things before. If you want to talk about your gender experience, um, your gender identity, if you want to, you know, just vent a little bit about how it's tough to have to pretend that you don't have interest in things that you have interest in, um, or tough to pretend that you are interested in things that you have no interest in. If it's tough for you to live a life that you did not select to live for yourself, but you unfortunately were opted into by agreeing to something else, um, there was fine print uh, that you, you didn't know about when you said yes to whatever it was, when you shook hands or, or made your blood packed or whatever it is you did, when you jumped your broom. Um, yeah, I, I would love to have that chat with you. Um, I am currently working on a project. I'm calling it the, the Anti-Gender Gender Club. And it is just me creating um, a little space where I can celebrate non-binary, gender fluid, gender queer identity. And I can support um, the content that those creators make. I can support the art that they make, um, that we make. Um, and I can just share things that bring me joy, that help me uh, help all of us move towards a future where we don't need to engage in gendered violence towards ourselves or towards others because we can be at peace with the fact that God made us how God made us if you believe in a God and the universe made us how the universe made us if you believe that there is no God and that we are just, you know, beings on this earth and that earth it has animals in nature, right, that uh, swap sexes. It has animals in nature that are gay. It has animals in nature that are bisexual. It has animals in nature that we have labeled, right? Those animals are just animals. We're just animals. We're not the labels. And that's all that I'm really trying to get across here. Anybody who sees themselves as the label, that's totally fine. I'm not mad at that. I just need you to allow me to be the person that I am when I'm that person and to not keep me trapped in any boxes or slap any labels on me that cause you to see me not as full of potential, but as a specific reality that you need to be able to put in this box and understand because it's your problem, not mine. And I will not make it my problem anymore. I did that for 30 years and I'm not doing it anymore. All right. I love you guys so much. Have a beautiful day. Uh, definitely hit me up if you're interested in Anti-Gender Gender Club. Uh, hit me up if you're interested in designing something. If you have any artists that you want me to check out, um, you can find me on Instagram at InstaGeorgis, um, which is probably how you found this. You could shoot me an email. Um, I should probably make a Pan Curious George email or something like that for this now that I'm thinking about it because you guys have seen how that's spelled. Uh, but I'm not that organized, but it will be someday. All right. I love you guys. Bye.